G'day everybody and welcome to What the Dick Tater. I'm Rossi and that's okay. G'day mate. How's your shit? Yeah, it's fine. What is our life anymore? What is time? What is this moment in history? I don't know, whatever. Let's just get it done. You? Yeah, same. Cool. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Well, if we've got nothing else to add, let's just uh, crack into this pod about the North Korean dictator Kim Jong-il. Now, I listened to a podcast, three episodes, 40 minutes long each, about Kim Jong-il, and it wasn't until I got to the end of the third episode that I realized I thought Kim Jong-il was the current supreme leader of North Korea, but he is the former deceased leader who is the father of the current one. Yeah, it's hard to tell them apart because the current one is Kim Jong-un and the one before that was Kim Jong-il, and from what I can tell, they both just love a good murder. Yeah, they're very murdery. Mm-hmm. You're spot on, but it's very. I think it's very confusing, and I think people get confused by it all the time. Or is it just me? No, mate, no. Nah. It's very confusing. I mean, it is one of the most confusing scenarios in the world. It would be like if Hitler had a son that was called like Adolf Hitler and not Adolf Hitler. It'd be, it's very hard. And then to make matters worse, Kim Jong Il's father, who was the founder of North Korea, his name is Kim Jong Sung. So they're just they're all the sounds are all the same. Yeah. So look, mate, don't feel bad. It's um it's a hardcore sitch in every way. All right, great, thank you. And look, don't get me started on all the other kids in that family because they all just have a variant of the same name. Yeah, we're not going to worry about them unless they're like either murdering or being murdered, and then I think they become relevant. Okay, cool. Okay, great. We're going to start with a little bit of background. So. Kim Jong-il, he died in 2011. Okay. So not that long ago. I can kind of vaguely remember it, can you? Yeah, I can because I think we thought he was going to die for like years and years and years and years. And 2011 was the year that you and I took up drinking Bundaberg quite a lot. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was underemployed and so I had a lot of time to read the newspaper. Yeah, okay. How did he die? Um uh, oof. <laughs> I think he just died of, um, like, yeah, some health reason. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't, like, he wasn't murdered or anything, I don't think. Oh, my God, what if he was? Yeah. Was murdered by his son? Nah. Okay. Nah. Well, I mean, maybe it's possible. These bastards are crazy. Yeah. Yeah, they're pretty off tap. So he reigned since 1994 when his father, Kim Jong-sung, died. And before he was the supreme leader, he was head of propaganda and head of intelligence under his father's rule. And um, he was head of propaganda because he loved a good movie? Yeah, he is a very avid filmmaker. This actually brings me to my next point. Okay, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So he was, I mean, I think he's considered the the baddest of the baddies in North Korea. I think so too, though I think the jury's still out on this current one because everybody thinks he's a bit of a lol because he's friends with Dennis Rodman, but I don't think he's that much of a lol. 
I don't think he's that much of a lol either. He he was just educated in the West, so he has a little bit more of an open mind, let's say, rather than his father, King Jong Il. He was, you know, his father found in North Korea. He was born into that world, and he never left North Korea. Maybe I think two trips. Oh, that's nuts. Okay, so back to the filmmaking. So he, in another life, he probably could have been a maybe good filmmaker or a a filmmaker enthusiast, let's say. He really fancies himself a Quentin Tarantino of North Korea. And because he's head of propaganda, he decides that he's going to make some films. But the only problem with being under this strict communist rule in North Korea, wait, are they communist? I think officially they're communist, but I think the canon brand of communism isn't violent dictatorships, but I all get very confused. I don't know. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, (laughs) Thanks thanks for clarifying. No one has any creative stimulation, so there's no filmmakers or anyone in North Korea who could even probably pick up an iPhone and record (laughs) a video. So the only solution for Kim Jong-il is to kidnap an actress and her estranged director husband. <laughs> what the dick? Like, actually. Um, mate, is this quite triggering for you? Because this could this could potentially be you. This could happen to you and Rob. Oh, because, yeah, okay, tell me more. Tell me what's going on. <laughs> okay, so uh, Choi En-Hee is the actress and she is told – She's going to Hong Kong for a meeting with someone about directing a film. So this would be a step up for her because she's an actress um, and also about potentially running a film academy in Hong Kong. So she is quite excited. She goes to this meeting, which is, I mean, alarm bells. She has to meet them at Repulse Bay in Hong Kong, which is a beautiful location, but there's water access. So these speed boats arrive and then they like put a potato sack on her head and kidnap her oh my god it's so vintage it's very vintage what? um it's like 70 something it's 1978 i also might just point out at this time that kim jong-il thinks that james bond movies he's a big james bond fan but he thinks that they are documentaries for espionage in the west like he thinks they're legit <laughs> That's like when little kids watch black and white movies and think that the past was all black and white. <laughs> exactly, exactly, right? Yeah. I mean, what an idiot, but, like, of course, how would he know otherwise? Yeah, okay, but, like, this is why dictatorships don't work, mate, because if you have yeah. a in charge, no one can tell him that he's a moron. Yeah, absolutely. So potato sack over the head was where we left it. Yeah, potato sack over the head. And then um, so her estranged husband Shin Sang Ok, apologise again for the pronunciation, um, he is uh, kidnapped in almost identical circumstances. So not very creative with the kidnapping. No, but it did work, didn't it? So Yeah, it worked. So they're both taken back to North Korea and they live like in these luxurious houses and they have everything they need separately at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the director bloke, he decides he might escape. <laughs> that's what I might do too yeah and it's not a bad plan 
so he has a chauffeur and not a lot of people have driver's license in North Korea. It's quite a privileged position. So the chauffeur is very lax about his security and he just leaves the keys in the car unlocked in the driveway. Because everyone's too scared to commit crimes in Korea because they'll get shot? Yeah, that, that too. And most people don't know how to drive. So it's not a big threat to leave your car like that. Yeah, fair enough. So uh, Shin Shop, Shin, oh my God, I'm just going to not say his name. The director, like, he jumps in the car, drives almost to the China border, gets to the last train station and decides he's going to, like, hop on the train and cross the border that way. But uh, this is the flaw in his plan because not many people, there's not many vagabonds <laughs> jumping on the tr- on the train, so it's checked regularly and this is where he is arrested and then he's put into prison for three years. Oh, North Korean prison, probs one of the worst, would you say? Uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't be great. Nah, be real shit. Speaking of, didn't they talk about, um, I don't know if you're going to get to this, but they were talking about the famine and how some of the North Korean farmers like had to eat cow dung at one point because there was no food? Yeah, uh, I think this was in the um, in the camps, in the re-education camps. They're given very little food and then there's these like corn seeds that they can pick up off the ground or whatever and eat. And so what the officers do is they roll the corn seeds in shit and then give them to the prisoners to eat. And even though they know that they'll die from eating it, they do it regardless because they're so hungry. That's so gross. Yeah, bad. Yeah, okay, so after three years, well, actually, after an interrogation, He agrees to do a film. Wonder how painful that interrogation was. Yeah, apparently um, he was in the this room with the men, and the men who were interrogating him just keep leaving the room and to get on the phone, and so that it's clear that all the questions and directive is coming from Kim Jong Il. And what's the actress doing during all this? Is she just not just, but is she sitting in her penthouse apartment just waiting? Yeah. Yep. Yep. She doesn't try to escape. Yeah, okay, so he agrees to do the film um, and so Kim Jong-il decides kind of like in a, in a movie-like scenario that he would throw a party for these two people and introduce them to each other even though they were formally married, but this would be the moment that they would meet and he would tell them that they are going to get remarried and make movies together. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? You're going for the meeting of your career in Hong Kong you're going to direct a movie. Next minute. Some asshole puts a potato sack over your head. Next minute, you're at a party and old Kim is like, hey, here's your ex-husband. You guys work together now. Lol. And get remarried. Jesus. Even though you, you potentially hate this bastard. Oh, my God. Why? Anyway, they make five, oh, sorry, they make films for five years after this and they start off just making like, heroic propaganda films and then they make a kung fu action and a monster film which is kind of like a Godzilla ripoff and the Godzilla ripoff is like the worst film ever. (laughs) Have you seen it? I haven't seen it but the director was he was actually quite a a good filmmaker and he's made some good films but he's only remembered for making this terrible film now. That's not fair that's like remembering Mariah Carey for Glitter. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know? <laughs> so, and then they get an opportunity to go to Vienna to get some monies to make a film about Genghis Khan. Troy and Shin, they check into a hotel because they're going to have an interview at the hotel. And so the their security just gives them a bit of time, gives them some privacy. And the person who's interviewing them is their, you know, escape. So they... You leave the hotel, jump into a taxi and leg it to the US Embassy where they are eventually uh, freed from North Korea. If you're a North Korean dictator, why the fuck do you let them go to Vienna? That seems like a shit plan. I know, but maybe after five years they get a bit of rapport and Kim Jong-il thought that they were on his side and they needed some more money because North Korea is not very flush with funds. Yeah, but isn't this like... It feels like a bad Scooby-Doo episode. When he was alive, Kim Jong-il spent over 800,000 US dollars a year on cognac. Iconic. Well, I just have a Kim Jong-il funny joke from the internet to share with you. Um, Rossi, did you know when Kim Jong-il died, it was the end of his career? You get it? It's like career and career. (laughs) Get it? There are people on the internet that sit down and type jokes like that out so that people like me can find them. Okay, I'm ready when you are. Okay. So, nuclear power in Korea. Yep. Well, can I interject before you kick off? Because I am, if someone would like to educate me, I'm very confused about if we like nuclear power now or we don't like nuclear power. And I understand that we don't like it when it's turned into atomic bombs, but, like, I, I hear some good things about how it fuels electricity and all the things, and I just I don't know what my stance is on nuclear power anymore. And I've seen that HBO show Chernobyl and it looked bad, but then people keep talking about it like it's good. What What's a girl to think? <laughs> Okay, well, I I can try and um, answer some of your questions there. Okay. So North Korea build a nuclear plant because they have zero natural resources. They have nothing. They, they can't, A, they can't feed their people and they can't keep them warm. They can't, there's no electricity, there's no gas, there's nothing. So they build the nuclear power plant and tell the West that they're doing it as a resource to, for for energy. Okay. However, they lied about that and they build the nuclear power plant and then the West discovers years later that they've done no development in the energy space and it's all focused on bombs. (sighs) I'm disappointed but not surprised. Right. Mm. And I believe that North Korea don't have any money. Well, they do, but they don't spend their monies on their people. So to build the nuclear power plant was all foreign investment. Really? I think. We might have to edit that bit out and I might have to fact check it, but I'm pretty sure that's the situation. Interesting. And aren't they even now they're like there's big talk about how they've got one that could reach LA and they they could fuck anyone up at a moment's notice and all the things? Yeah. They say they have the the power to do that. I don't like that. No, it's not good. Mm, It's bad, I might say. Yeah. But just let's take one step back because in the mid-90s, most people in North Korea were starving. There was no food and so the black market was created and it said that you can get anything except a cat's horn on the North Korean black market and 
the only reason you can't get a cat's horn is because I don't exist. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> you can get absolutely anything. And the problem that Kim Jong-il did not foresee was that he was trying to control his people, yet he drove them to starvation. And so then they generated a capitalist way of life out of necessity. Oh, that's a lot of things. He must have been so mad about that. Right, exactly. Wow, what a fascinating study of humanity. Also, North Korea have, they're the largest producer of methamphetamine in the world. Oh. (laughs) They they sell drugs. Yeah, great. Um, They also sell ivory and weapons. Those are not things that you want crazy people to be selling no exactly and they you know they the weapons they sell to to baddies that the west won't sell to oh i don't like any of this Mm. they also are the number one hundred dollar bill forger they make the best (laughs) ones i had heard that that's amazing Mm, mm -hmm. do you think they're are are they still in circulation today like do you think do you have a hundred dollar bill in your wallet yeah i do i got paid in cash for a thing i did the other day Wow, that's baller. I know, I know. That's who I am. Wow, maybe I'm in possession of some, like, illicit substance. Yeah, you should have a, have a check. I don't want to risk losing it. Hundo's a hundo. Just have a look to see if the president's face has been replaced with Kim Jong-il and then you'll know. Yeah, that's how I'll know. Great. <laughs> I'm just going to say this now because it's my next dot point, but it's actually not very difficult to leave North Korea if you are trying to escape. Like in terms of terrain, if you're fit and healthy, getting to the border is quite easy. It's just that snitches are everywhere. So people will dob you in. Children are taught to dom on their parents if they need to. So that's the issue with people trying to escape or even to have the thought to escape is that it's just, it just doesn't really happen. I um, met a North Korean defector once or someone who... Oh, told me that this person was a North Korean defector. He worked at a karaoke bar and my friend tried to set me up with him, um, but then I had to tell her that I was secretly dating producer Rob and that I couldn't be set up with the North Korean defector that worked at the karaoke bar. I wish I could have gone on a few dates to learn more. Right. It would have been some great uh, dating stories, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's probably it doesn't want to be used for dating stories, I imagine. He's worked really hard to get where he is. Yeah, that's very true. That's really true. Good on him for working in a karaoke bar after. Yeah, that was a great karaoke bar too. Oh, one with those like um, light up tambourines that they give you. Oh, wow. Yeah, anyway. Um, okay, so back to stabbing people in North Korea. Um, we were at how easy it is to walk across the border but how nobody does it because everyone's a dobber. This is what I learned about communism. Again, not to go on a tangent, but have you read that book, Stasi Land? Oh, no. I've definitely heard of it, though. Yeah. Well, it's about um, East Germany and how in communist East Germany, everyone just dobs on each other all the time and that's how they get their shit done. It's just, right. you imagine. Yeah. It's just they live a completely different life to us. Yeah, and they don't have, like, Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone dobs on everyone at Twitter as well. <laughs> different type of dobbing, though. 
<laughs> it is, it is. Okay, so back to the nuclear power. I was just setting the scene about people being starving and not being able to escape. Got it. So in 2002 is when the West realises that the nuclear plant is not being used for energy but weapons. Yikes. And they find this out because Kim Jong-il leaks information and he does visible tests. So he wants the West to know that they are, North Korea is a big threat. Mm, so he's like, it's basically kind of like stuffing socks down your pants. <laughs> basically. But he has, also has another motive because he stands down, he stops doing the tests and the, and the threats and the West agrees to give aid in the form of food, medical supplies, oil, fertiliser for agriculture and cash. I think I remember this from Year 11 International Studies, which would have been 2002. Wow. Wow. We're on the cusp of history right then. Yeah. yeah. I bet that history teacher was just frothing when oh, the new, this stuff hit the news. He was psyched, yeah. <laughs> So this creates what they call a drip feed economy in North Korea. So the West supplies the food and the all the aid and it just keeps the North Korean economy ticking over. Mm, by just keeping people alive. Just keeping people alive. The West only give aid because Kim Jong-il plays his nuclear card. So he doesn't he doesn't even give them anything for the aid. This, this is not a trade. It's just that he has the threat of the nuclear power. Yeah, okay. I mean. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, but it's important to, to point that out. Uh, it's just, it sucks that it's so effective. Yep. Mm. And then when the aid comes in, so like when America gives aid to any country, the, the rice or the corn or whatever comes in sacks and it's got the US flag and it says, you know, we love you from America <laughs> on it. Yeah. But the North Korean propaganda machine tells its people that this is not foreign aid. Oh, I also forgot to say, so the, the rice and the corn sacks, they're rebagged and the North Koreans are told that these are reparations for from the West for their attack on North Korea in the Korean War. Which is like a thousand years ago. Yep. And Kim Jong-il has forced a conversation with the West and he's gotten these reparations from them. Yeah, I mean, he's both so predictable and so unpredictable at the same time. Yeah. And then also to have the North Korean people under this illusion that like the, the Korean War was years and years ago and it's from his father's rule Kim Jong-il's rule to now Kim Jong-un and the North Korean people still think that they're under threat. Yeah. And like it's been so long. Yeah, it was didn't the Korean War end in like like before our parents were born in the early 50s. From what I remember of year 11 theater studies, I think it was theater studies. Why would you learn this in Sorry. theater studies? <laughs> National studies. <laughs> I also did theater studies. I don't know if you can tell. 50 to 53 is I think when the Korean War was. Mate, you are spot on, 1950 to 1953. Ah, yes. I feel bad celebrating that because the people in North Korea are so sad. I know. Um, This is all I have to say about nuclear. I'm going to say some stuff about Kim Jong-un and then I'm done. Okay, Kim Jong-un is the the son of the Kim Jong-il. Current supreme leader, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Current mad bastard. Did I read something that, uh, what's the original leader's name? Kim Kim Jong-sung? Kim Jong-sung, that he's still like the spiritual president of 
North Korea and these other, his son and his son's son are just like the personification of him. That would make sense because he's the, yeah, he's the founder of North Korea. Yeah, except that North Korea existed before him, yes. There was a ruckus around World War II and then there was a Korean War and then this uh, spiritual president bastard created what is now North Korea. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Woo! In an effort to feed the starving people of North Korea, Kim Jong-il decided to breed giant rabbits. It was reported in 2007 that an East German farmer was asked to set up a big bunny farm to help with North Korea's food shortage. To kick off this big initiative, he sent 12 rabbits the size of dogs to North Korea, but was later told they were not used for food supply, but instead eaten at the Supreme Leader's Bugs Bunny-themed birthday bash. What the dick? Okay, so Kim Jong-un, he's 28 years old when he takes over from his father. Wow, he's a baby. He's a baby and he's quite ruthless and there's rumours of him killing his former girlfriend once he got married because he didn't want there to be any <laughs> leaked conversations. I mean, we all, sometimes we all want to do that, but we don't do it. No, we don't do it. Nah. Um, and he also fed his uncle to wolves, like actually like not in the, the sense like oh he's fed to the wolves like he actually <laughs> chopped his uncle up and fed him to wolves jesus like how bored do you have to be that that sounds like fun i know but he also thought that it, his uncle was going to rival him t- to be the supreme leader so that's you know it's a good way to get rid of him i mean his uncle probably was trying to get a look in i'm not saying it's justified as previously mentioned he was educated in the west in switzerland and he arrived in Switzerland in 1996. Now, LK, what significant event happened in 1996 surrounding the greatest basketball team of all time, the Chicago Bulls? Um, the, oh, they won the championship? <laughs> yes, they had. So many things happened in 96, by the way. That could have gone anywhere. I was oh, I was about to tell you the Spice Girls discography. I was going to go Olympics. There was a lot happening in 96. <laughs> well, look, this is important to note because Kim Jong-un is a very big Chicago Bulls fan and uh, if you've watched the last dance documentary, you'll know that that was the year that uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen uh, make the all-star team. Is that what yep. they call it? Yep, yeah. Um, and Dennis Rodman did not, but he was very significant player in that championship. Yeah, he's got a lot of energy. <laughs> but that is why there's that relationship with Kim Jong-un and Dennis Rodman. Because Kim Jong-un is just a mad fanboy and Dennis Rodman's just mad. Yeah, well, Kim Jong-un is a mad Chicago Bulls fan. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if you're in Switzerland and it's the... Like, imagine being brought up in North Korea and then getting the chance to go to Switzerland to be educated and you arrive to this brand new world of all these things and then you discover this basketball team and, you know, this is the time when they were becoming, you know, legend hero status. It would just be like, oh, my God, what have I been missing out on all my life? I love basketball. Yes, but the same could be said for, like, cheese. There are a lot of things that he would have been discovering for the first time 
why basketball, but I think it was like the epitome of cool. Yeah, agree. So in 2009, the CIA had this idea of using those basketballers, the Chicago Bulls, to get into North Korea. Oh, my God. But it, but it didn't go anywhere. And then in 2012, Obama was in the White House and he brought in all these North Korean experts and the idea was brought up again, but it didn't go anywhere. So then these hipster film producers in New York City asked Michael Jordan if he would go to North Korea with them to speak to Kim Jong-un to make it a, a documentary. And he says no, but Dennis Rodman, he's a yes man. He says yes. <laughs> he's a yes man. Yeah, MJ's like, there is not enough billions of dollars you could pay me to do that. And Dennis Rodman's like, yeah, bitch, I'll like dye my hair. Let's go, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan was probably like, yeah, how many Nikes can I sell in North Korea? Not that many? Okay, I'm not going to go. Yeah, exactly. Which I respect. Yeah, so that's why he had that opportunity to go and meet Kim Jong-un and that's how their relationship bloomed. And is their relationship still blooming? I think they're still friends. Dennis Rodman still defends him. He also has this rule about haircuts. So there's 18 haircuts that women in North Korea can have and 10 for men and the haircut that he rocks is not on the list of appropriate haircuts. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a dickhead. dickhead. I forgot to mention this earlier, but also uh, when you travel in North Korea, if you're a a citizen, you have to have a permit to travel from city to city. You can't just, you know, get in your car and go. Apart from that yourself these days, mate. (laughs) I know, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So some people, if they want to defect, what they do is they get a permit to travel to another city. This is what one woman did. She got a a permit to travel to another city and then she gets to the other city and she blackmailed a doctor into writing her death certificate. And then so she has a death certificate. So if anyone does the paper trail, they would say permit, death certificate, and then then she can escape. That's a really good idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, what's on her? So also, do you remember... This is only in 2017. Kim Jong-un killed his brother with a nerve agent. Oh, okay. I remember bits of this, but I need to be told the story in full because I think it's fascinating. Okay. So this was his brother. Shit, what's his name? Kim Jong-nam, I think his name is. Right. Um, And he was the eldest brother. So he was set to be heir apparent, but... He fell out with the family because he tried to go to Disneyland on a fake passport in 2001. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd like that. Holy shit. I mean, I, I appreciate the effort. It was only the Disneyland in Tokyo too. It wasn't even the California one. Like, come on, mate. <laughs> wow. Well, that's what the the family say. That's why they fell out. But um, he says it was because he was advocating for reform. So, yeah. (laughs) Tomato, tomato. (laughs) So he was in 2017 in the KL airport and two women, they have a washcloth with a nerve agent on it and they come up behind him and they wipe it on his face. And then you can see the CTV footage. He goes over to a policeman and explains what happens and the policeman takes him to the medical centre and then they rush him from the medical centre in an ambulance to the hospital, but he doesn't make it to the hospital. He dies in the ambulance. 
the two women who were involved, they thought that they were just doing a prank on someone. Yeah, so he did. Oh, it seems very Putin-esque, if you will. Yep. Oh, except that Putin would, like, make sure it wasn't on CCTV. <laughs> exactly. Putin's not that dumb. God, if you can do that to your own brother, like, there's not a lot going on inside your soul. And then all, all know that Trump has been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize for having, you know, a couple of phone calls and a chat <sighs> with Kim Jong-un in uh, Singapore. I mean, <laughs> I know, there's, no, there's nothing to say about that. It's just no, like, there's okay. no way to go with it. No way good. Time for the first aids game. Oh, can't wait. So if you were to go on a romantic, steamy first date with Kim Jong-il, where would you go? I have a feeling it would have to just be at his house in North Korea because where else does he go? So it would be there, but it would be in like the ritziest room. Like I would demand if there's a ballroom, that's where I want it to be. Oh, mate, you know there's a ballroom. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is a ballroom. I don't want to just go and sit in, a, in the cinema or have dinner. I want to go to the ballroom, okay? Yeah, of course you do. Are you at all alarmed that the ballroom probably has like many artist renderings of his face? So as you're in the ballroom, you're not only looking at him, but you're looking at like him looking at you from the walls. Yeah, it's a little bit creepy, but I want to see this ballroom so much that I don't care. Okay, okay. One more question on that front. I'm not talking you out of it. I just want to make sure you've carefully considered this. You are, you were at one point a professional ballroom dancer. Is there any concern that you go to the ballroom you upstage him as a ballroom dancer and then he takes you out and executes you before the date is over. Uh, look, thanks for asking, but I've got that covered. Since I am a retired ballroom dancer, I've really embraced that daggy dancing. You know when you see those people out dancing like dickheads? I am now one of those people and it's just so freeing. <laughs> okay, okay. That's, wow. How many years of training did you have to get to the point where you were at and now it's all just, um, wow. Yeah, 20 years of <laughs> training. My parents spent a lot of money, but now I am a daggy dancer. Congrats. Okay, so what do you do on the day in the ballroom? Look, we have a bit of daggy dancing, but really I just want to get stuck into all the caviar. Because <laughs> you know he's got like all of it. He's got all the caviar and I just want to like, like I know this sounds a bit weird and perverted, but I just want to like rub it all over myself. Okay. It's like a sex or just yeah maybe but also just like to be wasteful because you can <laughs> yes and you should eat some gold leaf while you're at it yeah oh I don't want to be rude but I just want to take full advantage of him yeah not in that way but like <laughs> <laughs> like I want to drink his expensive champagne eat his caviar get as much out of this date as I can. Yeah, I love that. This might be a, a loaded and, and potentially violent question, but how does your date end? Not well for me. I think once I've committed to the ballroom and drinking the champagne and eating the caviar, I like there's no escape for me. I would just have to be like the actor and director who were held hostage for eight years. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, how do you make your eventual escape? Actually, this isn't a reality. This is a game. So what would happen? I would sweet talk the chauffeur and I would get him to smuggle me out of there and then to a train station and then I get on a train and I end up in the coast of Thailand. Yeah. Have you ever um, sweet talked anyone in your life? Yeah. Ah. I sweet talked the bar manager in Hawaii to get him to put the sound on for the AFL grand final, even though he said that he couldn't have any sound on on a Friday night and they just have all the sports playing. But I sweet talked him into putting the sound up for the AFL grand final. Mate, that's amazing. I know. The future for the North Koreans is that can they coexist with their current government with this forced capitalism that they have created themselves? And will North Korea continue to insult those who have helped them. Yes. Yes and yes. But also this podcast that I listened to three episodes, 40 minutes, thinking it was the wrong bloke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they also say that the West has a, a dirty little secret in that they don't want things to change in North Korea because someone's going to have to pick up that tab. Who wants to do that? Yeah. No one. I don't know enough about economics and politics to know like how easy or difficult that is but to give them true liberation and get them out of this current situation that they live in where they can have food and income and a functioning economy it would take a lot of money to set that up and to to give them that opportunity so the way it runs at the moment with Kim Jong-un taking the foreign money and doing whatever he wants with it while the West just continues to send sacks of rice and corn suits everyone, really. Mm, Yeah, because corn and rice are really cheap. Yeah. Wouldn't it serve like the whole continent of Asia to have another wealthy, active player that can maybe one day help other nations that are having a bad time? Like in the long run, it's better. In the long run, it's better, but there's a lot of investment to happen first. Uh, I just feel like, isn't there a secret fund set up for such things? Like (laughs) someone should have just like put a jar aside for, you know, when dictatorships fall. Have you not got that job at the UN yet? You need to. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening to What the Dick, Tater. See you all of a sudden. Yeah, bye. Rossi, guess what? You're mad and I'm not. Haha, <laughs> no, we aren't journalists. No, we are not. Sometimes we get confused with the facts and our accuracy is not always on point. Agree. If you have questions for us or comments about anything we cover, you can get in touch with us on our email. Hello at lkandrossi.com or you can check out our website, lkandrossi.com. Love you. See you all of a sudden.